Hey everybody, it's me Amanda with Once in a Wild and welcome back to Once in a Wild Wednesday. If this is your first time visiting Once in a Wild Wednesday, welcome. And if this is your hundredth time, it isn't your hundredth time because we haven't done a hundred live streams yet, but we've done over 80 live streams. Wow. Um, welcome back, of course. But if this is your first time, hello, my name is Amanda and I'm the owner, founder and animal specialist here at Once in a Wild. And we are a mobile zoo based in South Texas, specifically in San Antonio, Texas. We do service that area of Texas with our mobile zoo and we can bring the zoo to you, to your classroom, to your birthday party, to your nursing home, whatever the case may be. Um, let's go ahead and begin. In, shall we? Hooray! We're back for another Once in a Wild Wednesday. Welcome back. Like I said, we do this live stream every single Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Time because we are smack in the middle of the United States, which is central time, right? And we are in South Texas, like I said already. Things are warming up down here. How's the weather looking in your area of the world? So every single Wednesday, like I said, we do broadcast this live stream for free. We do um, introduce you guys to some animals and talk about them. We usually have a topic or we just talk about the animals that are visiting you guys virtually on the live stream, um, but it is free of charge and uh, we do this every single week, like I said. And uh, But if you would like to support us, one free way is by subscribing to our YouTube channel. That's a great way to help us out. Um, liking the videos also helps us quite a bit as well. Commenting, like I said, sharing the videos and just watching them in general. The more views we get, the better we do and uh, the more, uh, successful our YouTube becomes. Um, also, don't forget to follow us over on Instagram as well as um, Facebook and all the things as well. All those links are in the description down below for you for very, very easy convenience for you to find. Um, so please follow us on your platform of choice or your platforms of choice that helps us out quite a bit. But if you would also like to donate to our little zoo, we do have over 70 animal ambassadors um, that can travel to different places and also visit people virtually, like I said, um, like today. And we also do virtual programs via Zoom too. So if you would like to support us, the best way to do that is to book your own animal program. For further details on our programming, whether they be virtual or in person, yay, um, you can visit onceinawild.com or call us today and the number and the website are always down below right here on the live stream and everything is in the description down below too. So you can find that very easily. Um, to learn more, go ahead and visit those or call us or text us today. Um, but you can also donate to us just directly if you would like to donate or you like what you see here today and you want to tip or donate to our cause, which all proceeds always go to our animal care, uh, 70 mouths to feed and more than 70 to be honest with you, um, because we do have insects and things like that that I don't necessarily keep track of because they keep having babies for us. Um, but we do have a lot of mouths to feed, like I said. So of course, all of those proceeds go to animal care, feeding them, making sure they have enrichment, caring for them, uh, paying for uh, our staff to work for us and make sure that they can be cared for very, very well, right? So all those things cost money. So if you would like to donate to our zoo, you can do so by going to Venmo, Cash App, or even PayPal. And we also have a very easy quick link um, at our website. If you go to onceinawild.com, 
So scroll all the way down to the bottom. There is a box which has like almost like a link tree to all of those uh, different donation options. We have all the ones I already listed. And we also have an Amazon wish list as well. If you don't want to donate money directly, you can pick out items that I've already pre-selected. Um, if you want to give a little gift to the animals, that would be fantastic. Or a big gift. There's big gifts and small gifts and everything in between. Um, all stuff that we need. So we greatly appreciate any of your donations, whether they be uh, just money donations, uh, physical donations from our Amazon wish list of gifts, and also, of course, purchases of your own animal encounter, which you get something back, of course. We also do have a little bit of merch at onceinawild.com as well. So I think that covers everything. And if this is your first visit, hello, and it's so good to see you. Hello, right here in your grandma's kitchen in San Antonio. It's so good to see you, Jeffrey. And Ricardo is here as well. He's giving a little wave. Hello, Ricardo. And, um, yeah, <laughs> like I said before, if you do guys, if you guys do want to um, go ahead and purchase your own animal encounter, that's the best way to help us out because you get a really cool animal encounter. Typically, our animal encounters start at one hour, whether they be virtual or in person, and typically you get to meet eight animal species per hour, which is pretty cool. You can either have a presentation style where you get to learn about the animals kind of one by one, get some information about them, interact with them, maybe get a touching experience if they happen to be a touching animal in person, or of course, virtually, you're not going to be touching them, but there are more options virtually because we can bring some aquatic animals and all sorts of things, really neat. Um, but if you are in person, seeing some of our animal presentations, some of the animals are touchable, even holdable sometimes, depending on what's going on, um, and some of them are not. So you have more options with the presentation, or we can actually bring a mini petting zoo to you as well, which includes our Flemish giant rabbit, our two red-footed tortoises, our guinea pigs, our Pekin ducks and a bearded dragon for you to interact with a little bit more close up, personal and uh, of course for touching experiences as well. And we also do offer animal therapy too. So if you check out our um, last week's <laughs> uh, live stream that we did last week, we talk all about our mini petting zoo and that's what we covered last week. And a few weeks ago, we actually covered, um, well, we were talking about some pet options for reptiles. <laughs> so reptiles that make pretty good pets in my opinion. Now, I do wanna make sure and let you guys know that um, now that we're talking about our topic, right? We've talked about all the business stuff. I wanna get that out of the way before I forget each time and make sure you guys know if you're, you're joining us for the first time. This is also a very interactive um, live stream. So please let me know if you have any questions about the animals you're gonna meet or any questions about what we do here at Once in a Wild or anything at all. I'll be uh, sure to answer your questions to the best of my ability. And if I don't, I typically go back and answer them manually by typing in the answers, or you can always contact us if you want more information about anything we do, right? But a few weeks ago, we talked about the topic of pet reptiles and which ones that I would recommend for the right family. Now, when we talk about pet anything, any animal that's going to be an animal companion or a pet for you, they are not toys. They are not objects. They are living creatures. They deserve the best life that you can possibly give them. I'm not saying you have to be a millionaire because Lord knows I am not a millionaire, <laughs> but we do our very best with what we have and we do our best to make sure our animals are healthy properly fed. We do our research before taking in animals into our collection. And uh, we always try to do our very best, right? That's very important. And I have over 18 years of professional experience with animals working at many various different jobs. And I've been very fortunate to be able to work at many different facilities, getting lots of ideas about how they care for their animals. And I've worked with literally hundreds and hundreds of different species of animals and individuals, thousands of them, uh, to be able to get lots of 
uh, experience and research under my belt, right? That's very important as well. So that being said, we want to make sure that um, you're not bringing even, even an easy pet. No pets are really easy. They shouldn't be referred to as like, like uh, an easy, an easy thing to do or whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. But they, um, we should always take into careful consideration into any animal that we bring into our life, whether it be uh, a cat or a dog, a lizard, a fish, a bird, anything, a horse, <laughs> of course, a horse, of course, um, we have to make sure and do all the proper research. We're always learning all the time. So things are always um, changing and hopefully improving for the life of our animals and humans too, for that matter, we're doing our best, right? Um, so we should always be doing our research. So having a pet of any kind is not something to take lightly. You should never be on impulse if you can help it. Now, if you are rescuing an animal or something like that, that's a very different story. Um, Sometimes as far, you know, as, as I know very personally and very, very specifically that sometimes rescue situations happen to you and you have to kind of make a decision. That's happened to me so many times in my life, especially with the career that I have where people hear about you and they think, oh my gosh, this animal should go to once in a wild or to Amanda and be taken care of by her. Um, that happens all the time and I'm happy to do that. But I don't recommend the average person just adopting an animal impulse. You wanna make sure and do your proper research, um, make sure the animal is going to thrive in your care, right? Wanna make sure the animal is going to do well, right? In your situation, because um, not only does the animal have to be good for you and be a good fit for your household, your life, <laughs> um, it should also be good for the animal too. We have to think two ways, right? It's almost like a good relationship, right? It shouldn't go one way, it should go both ways. And everybody should be, of course, you know, happy, happiest to the best of our ability. <laughs> so that's what I'm trying to say. So some animals make better pets than others. Nothing is black and white. Um, I'm not saying that uh, every pet is great for everyone, because that's just not true. Some people don't take very good, very good care of fish. <laughs> and so they shouldn't have fish. Um, some people don't have a lot of time. So they definitely shouldn't have a pet bird. Birds need a lot of attention most of the time, depending on the bird we're talking about. Um, or they should be kept with other birds. So they have a lot of attention from the other bird and companionship. They're very social. Um, what are some other examples? Some some good pets, for example, are domestic animals like rabbits and dogs and guinea pigs, for example, but they don't necessarily make the right pet for every household because they still require work. You have to walk your dog and feed your dog and take it to the vet when it gets sick and needs vaccinations and all those things, right? And you have to clean up after them. Um, that goes for every animal, right? So that being said, today we want to counter a couple of weeks ago, we talked about good pet reptiles for reptiles, right? If you're going to adopt a pet reptile, refer to that video from a few weeks ago. Um, it's talking about three of the best pet reptiles that I personally like to recommend and why. And we talked all about each one and I had examples of them live for you to see. Um, we talked about a blue tongue skink lizard, which was number one for lizards, that is. So for lizards, blue tongue skink is my favorite to recommend. Um, the second best, in my opinion, is going to be the bearded dragon. And the third best is probably the leopard gecko. And that's, of course, my opinion, but my expert opinion as well. So I recommend that you at least watch those videos and learn a little bit before you make a decision and definitely do a ton of research. And uh, yeah, and just be very careful with all your decisions with that because it does matter. Um, and the number one pet reptile that I recommended was actually a snake and it was a corn snake. Corn snakes are fantastic pets, in my opinion, for the right family and the right individual, right household, etc. to each his own, right? Um, but today I thought we would talk about bad pet reptiles in my opinion. Now I'm not saying that they're awful animals. Two of these um, 
three are actually my favorite of some of the reptiles that we have besides snakes. Everybody knows, well, maybe not everybody. Now you're knowing, now you're finding out. If you get to know me very long, I love snakes. Snakes are my favorite animals. Um, I think they are very misunderstood and they get a bad reputation for almost no good reason because snakes don't really harm a whole lot of people across the planet. There are certainly dangerous snakes but they have their purpose in life and they have their place and they are very important for the natural environment. And for the most part, snakes are very, very safe <laughs> to um, have near you, maybe in close proximity, maybe not touching them, but they're a lot less dangerous than a lot of animals. So they get a fairly bad reputation. And I do understand a lot of people just aren't familiar with them or they get a bad, the, bad, the wrong idea, the bad idea. Um, but snakes are actually my favorite animals and my favorite reptiles, of course. But we're not talking about snakes today. We're actually going to talk about lizards. So I have actually brought three examples of what, in my opinion, are very bad pet lizards for most people. Even for me, I don't recommend these three lizards for really anyone. And I'm so very sorry if this disappoints you. And I don't mean to be a bit of a downer, but I'm just trying to educate you guys because I'm very passionate about this. And I want to make sure the animals, um, that, they're, that they're doing well as well as we can. Um, now, uh, some people can keep these animals. I keep them. <laughs> I have a lot of experience, like I said. Um, and sometimes we rescue these animals because they are in desperate need of a home. Um, they need somewhere to go. So since I do have a lot of experience and the means to take care of them, and I've made this my entire life, I am actually a suitable home sometimes for some of these animals, but not all of them, right? So the first one we're going to meet um, is not a rescue. I'll be, I'll be totally honest with you. This is an animal that I actually did seek out and purchase from a reputable breeder um, over in California. And this animal was shipped to me along with a couple other similar animals. Um, and it happens to be Samuel. Samuel is coming on out slowly. Um, this is not a very fast animal, at least most of the time. And it's one of my favorite species on the planet. Doesn't necessarily make him a bad animal if he's uh, not a suitable pet for everybody. But we're gonna first talk about chameleons as a whole. This is a Jackson's chameleon. His name is Samuel L. Jackson's chameleon. <laughs> and he is a really cool species, but I do not believe they make good pets. Now, when we talk about pets, most people want to hold your pet. They want to pet the animal. They want to make sure, oh my goodness, they have a little twitching action. They want to make sure that animal can do well in the care of humans, or shall we say captivity in your household, right? We wanna make sure all those things are happening, that they're easy to feed, they're easy to hold, they do well, they're healthy, all of those things, um, especially for like somebody starting out keeping reptiles and things like that. Now, that being said, I think out of all the chameleons, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, okay, so don't come for me, but I think Jackson's chameleons, which is what he is, um, are probably the best um, of all the chameleons and the easiest of all the chameleons to house, to take care of. They tend to be the least stressed out when it comes to handling and things like that, but they're still chameleons, so they still have a lot of issues. So um, the main issue with chameleons is going to be their sensitivity, their health, it's pretty poor when they, um, in general, and uh, all those things, their housing is very, very specific. Um, their lighting has to be just right. 
their temperatures has to be just right. Everything has to be just right. They're also solitary, so they can't see each other. If you have um, more than one chameleon in your house, you have to make sure they cannot see each other, that they're across from each other, way across the room where they can't see each other, or there's plants or something blocking one another. If they see one another, they can get very stressed because they would rather be hidden from one another. They're completely solitary animal. Um, it used to be thought in the, in the old days that Jackson's chameleons could be kept socially in groups. Now that is not recommended at all. Um, they do not do well. Chameleons also have an extremely um, short life expectancy in the care of humans and in the wild too, let's be honest. Most, most animals don't have a very long lifespan in the wild either, um, but uh, they're one of the few lizards that live a very, very short life expectancy. Most lizards can live to be like 10, 12, 20, maybe even 30 years old sometimes, depending on the species, um, but chameleons do not. Chameleons average on anywhere from two to five years, typically in the care of humans, that is it. When chameleons do well and you're taking good care of them and you um, you know, you know, catch their health issues early and take them to the vet right away when they have those issues, et cetera, it's seven to 10. They can make it to 10 sometimes. Um, Jackson's chameleons can sometimes make it to 10, but it's very, very rare. I don't want to ever um, give the false hope out there that chameleons can live to 10 because that's extremely rare. Um, making it to seven, is what, what most experts um, kind of aspire to uh, to doing. <laughs> so most experts uh, at taking care of chameleons, breeders, and the people that are really, really good at it, um, they say seven is a good old age for a chameleon. So in general. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't go to 10 sometimes. And I'm sure there's some record breakers out there, right? Um, but in general, they do not live very long. Chameleons to me are kind of like the flowers of the reptile world. Um, they're beautiful. They are so gorgeous. They're so unique and, and, and amazing animals, right? Um, but they're here today, gone tomorrow kind of thing, which is very sad. Um, if anybody out there is familiar with birds, they're kind of like birds sometimes. Birds in general live a long time. Some birds don't, um, but for example, like parrots live a long time. But when parrots get sick, um, they don't tend to show signs when in the early ages, early early stages, excuse me, of illness, they typically will hide their illness. And that goes from a lot of very wild type animals like this. This is not a domesticated species at all. They're, they're certainly not uh, meant to be a pet. We've just wanted to have them as pets. That's why they're in human care at all or in zoos and things. Um, but I digress. But these guys hide their illnesses very well. And they can have a slew of common illnesses and diseases. And if you do not catch them early and you don't know what to look for, always, always do your research before adopting a chameleon. I don't recommend anybody adopt one. But if you're dead set on it, I recommend them for um, advanced keepers only and certainly not children. Children should not have chameleons. They are not good for holding. It's not that they're dangerous. Most chameleons really don't bite in my experience. Some can bite. Their bite is not that serious though, um, and uh, but it's more for them. They stress out with too much handling. I'm going to keep his handling to a minimum today, um, but I'm just kind of sitting here with him on me. But they tend to stress out in new situations, so they're not really an animal you can just like carry around your house and have your kids hold, touch, squeeze, pet, all those things. That is not appropriate for a chameleon. We do not handle chameleons like that. They basically just perch on you if you're handling them at all, and that should be very minimal. We only handle him if we need to, or if he is coming out for an educational presentation, which is not that often, to be honest with you. Virtual, it does happen more often than in-person because traveling around is not uh, ideal for them. They do stress out when traveling. We can bring him to short encounters and things like that, but we try to keep that minimal and we give them lots of breaks, right? Um, so um, some of the diseases that they can get, get very, very commonly, I'm gonna go ahead and list you a few of the diseases to deter you from getting chameleons, <laughs> um, just to educate you guys. 
and always do your research. Like I said, if you do have a chameleon or you're getting one, um, if you're getting one, I would reconsider. But if you already have a chameleon, this might be the right place for you to come and learn a little bit about their problems and their potential issues. Um, some I'm gonna read them off because I don't have them memorized. So I do apologize. One very common issue with them is dehydration. That might not sound like a illness, but dehydration can um, bring forth a whole bunch of different issues. Um, chameleons do not actually drink from water bowls. They in the wild live up in the trees. They're a highly arboreal species, which means they live up in the trees strictly. Um, they are perfectly designed for hanging out on a tree branch, kind of like a bird does. Um, but they have pinching little toes that are fused together in a certain way that makes them look like a chip clip. And they just kind of pinch right onto the branch and hang out. And uh, they are very thin bodied. Their, their body is very, very thin this way, almost like a leaf. And they have a prehensile tail which can help them grip onto objects like my fingers right now, but also trees and things. And they're just perfectly designed to be up in the trees. They don't really come down from the trees very often. So as an animal goes, how they drink is going to be from the rain or the dew drops and things like that. This specific species, the Jackson's chameleon and the Xanthalophus Jackson's chameleon, which is the subspecies that he is, they live in the mountains of Kenya up in the cloud forest, if you will. So very, very humid, a little cooler because it's higher, higher um, altitude. Um, most chameleons prefer a little warmer than these guys. And these guys are, are not, they don't really need a heat lamp or anything like that. That's something special about this species. But um, chameleons do not drink from a water bowl because they don't come down to the forest river or lake or anything or stream, pond, puddle, whatever to drink. They actually will drink off the leaves and it's important for them to be misted at least twice a day. We mist our chameleons for anywhere from three to five minutes each time we miss them, and that's for like a straight shower. We give them a little shower with a with a mister that has like a wand on the end of it, and you mist. So we, you can actually get it at Lowe's and Home Depot, one of those little misters. And that's what we use on them. It's also important to miss them straight in the face because they have to actually clean their eyes and roll their eyes and get debris out of their eyes. Um, their sense of eyesight is extremely important to them. They don't have ears, so they don't really listen to anything, and they look around for most of um, how to basically hunt and see the world and everything. Their eyesight is extremely important, but their eyes can be damaged very easily if they're not cleaned every day. Uh, ugh, that's a lot. So chameleons are very advanced on their care as well, but we'll, we'll get there in a minute. Um, so dehydration can happen when they're not misted enough and they're not getting enough water to drink off of the leaves and things in their enclosure, right? Um, so another um, kind of challenge with making sure that they are properly hydrated is that they are going to be kept in a screen cage and not a tank or a terrarium with glass walls. Um, they don't do well with glass. The, the water collects too much and they can actually become um, sick from upper respiratory issues as well, which is another thing they can get. And they also do not do well seeing their own reflection because remember, they don't want to see other chameleons. So being in a screen cage with lots of ventilation for breathing purposes and uh, to prevent upper respiratory problems. And um, also, that's going to be a challenge with humidity. So they have to be misted at least twice a day, if not three times a day to make sure humidity is up because it's also aerated in there. So aerated, but humid. So that's very hard to do. So dehydration is a big problem with them. And that can lead to all sorts of um, internal organ problems and all sorts of things, right? If, even if you don't hydrate yourself, you can become sick too. So I'm gonna hydrate right now. Mm. This is one of our stickers. You can actually see on our website, onceinawild.com. You can get your own once in a wild sticker. Here's another sticker that we also have too. Axolotl sticker, pretty cute. Ricky did a great job designing those. Okay, so, <clears throat> pardon me. 
Dehydration is one. <laughs> That's just the first one, you guys. Um, metabolic bone disease, which can happen to many, many lizards. Um, if they are not given the right ultraviolet lighting and the right supplements, which is like um, calcium supplements, they typically can become over supplemented too. So it's it's really, really important to do your research, talk to your veterinarian, talk to the breeder or whoever you have gotten your chameleon from, ask them which, um, which specific supplements they use. That's what I did with the breeder situation. I was able to kind of consult with them and ask what kind of um, supplements they recommend. Things are always progressing and changing all the time, right? So I'm always learning, but supplements are extremely important and the right amount and right type of ultraviolet lighting, which is typically a man-made ultraviolet lighting, right? Or they can get ultraviolet lighting from outside. But again, this chameleon doesn't do well in heat. So being outside too long in the heat is not good for them. So that's another balance as well. So if they don't get all those things, they can have rubbery bones and they can develop very, very um, weak bones and things like that. They can't climb anymore, which is extremely important to a chameleon, right? To be able to climb trees and branches, otherwise they can't get around. So MBD or metabolic bone disease is another problem, um, especially for chameleons, but lots of pet lizards can actually sub, um, uh, are susceptible to that. And then thermal burns, which are um, not really a disease, but they can get burned from their heat lamps. Um, Jackson's chameleons do not require heat lamps. I never recommend using heat lamps on Jackson's because they like a cooler temperature. Um, however, other chameleon species like panthers and veils and all sorts of really cool chameleons like that, they do absolutely in the care of humans require some sort of heat source, but if that's too hot or if they're going too close to the heat bulb, they can get burned. That's not good for anybody. <clears throat> Another issue with chameleons in general is going to be retaining eggs. That's only for the females, of course, um, because females can have a lot of egg issues like becoming egg bound or becoming um, all sorts of, you know, just like, just like a person, right? You can have um, reproductive issues as well, even if they're not egg layers, um, because some chameleons like Jackson's actually don't lay eggs, but other chameleons do. They can become egg bound where they can't lay their eggs and they become, um, it's like a stasis in their reproductive system. That's not good for them. They can actually pass away from that. Um, because of all that, females on average only live anywhere from two to three years. So they have an extra short life expectancy. Now, if they're properly taken care of and they don't have any reproductive issues, they can live longer than that too. But that's another problem with, chameleons. Those are the girls, right? Uh, stomatitis. Stomatitis? Stomatitis. Stomatitis. That's how you pronounce that. Um, it's basically mouth rot. So that's the, the layman's term for stomatitis. Stomatitis and mouth rot um, are a very common disease that a lot of reptiles and even snakes and other animals can get too. Reptiles are snakes, Amanda, but reptiles, including snakes and lizards, but chameleons get this a lot. Um, they're super sensitive to mouth rot. Mouth rot is basically uh, where their mouth can become kind of inflamed at the corners and it can kind of take over and actually completely affect their entire mouth if you don't catch it early. And it can literally happen like that. In fact, this guy sometimes gets mouth rot. And it's not because we're dirty. It's not because I'm doing anything wrong that I know of. They just get it anyway. Sometimes they can just have um, a bit of a bad spell with one of their food items like a cricket a cricket can bite them in the mouth maybe they have like a little sore and that becomes infected and then before you know it they've got mouth rot and when you catch it early it's very easy to treat we actually have been treating him with um, antibiotic injections so if you're not good with needles a chameleon is not for you because i know a lot of chameleons that need injections to 
stay alive from time to time. Um, antibiotics and things like that, of course. And he also has a topical that takes care of his mouth too. He's pretty much all clear of that, which is why he's on the show today and he's doing just fine. But since I am very familiar with that, I was able to see that very early. There was just a very mild swelling at the corner of his mouth. And I was able to get that taken care of right away with the help of our vet, right? And through injections, we were able to um, basically take care of that in no time. But not saying that it couldn't come back because it could. But um, if you don't have any experience with that, and you didn't know, that might take over a little bit, and then your chameleon's too far gone. And unfortunately, with these chameleons, like I said before, right? Can we switch hands? Um, they really don't show signs <laughs> of illness until it's just either too late or um, very advanced, which is very, very unfortunate, right? That's something that happens to them is mouth rot. Again, that can happen to a lot of lizards and other reptiles like snakes, but chameleons tend to get it quite a bit, very, very commonly. It is super common. Uh, another thing is upper respiratory infections, like I already mentioned. So if the humidity is not correct and if the aeration of the enclosure and all that is not correct, ventilation is not good. Um, if it's too cold, too hot, they can get sick. And it's important to know what to look for and the signs of that as well. Yes, yes, yes. Another issue they get is going to be edema edema and then another one is going to be parasitic infections that's kind of self-explanatory but edema and gout are very similar they're two separate diseases that can affect um, the muscles cause lots of swelling um basically leg issues things like that that is always something to look for if they're not climbing properly if one of their legs are swollen it typically comes from improper diet if you don't know what you're doing a lot of times these guys can get gout and edema from that um, another issue they get like i said is parasites so one issue and challenge with keeping chameleons and a lot of these pets, pet type lizards, is that they are coming from a wild caught or farm raised situation where they're being raised um, outdoors or from the wild, which is not good. Uh, wild caught type animals are never recommended by me as a pet, um, unless it's a rescue type situation like we do sometimes, but that's not the average person, is it? You guys should not be doing that. Um, so. Most of these Jackson's chameleons, not him, because I got him from a very, very, very reputable source, which is why I am hoping he will live a long and healthy, happy life, as long as I'm able to keep up his health and look for some of those signs that I was talking about before and make sure that he's okay. Even if you have a captive bred, reputably, reputably, reputable, he was, he was gotten from a reputable source, what I'm trying to say. All of that, if all of that is in order, you can still end up with illnesses and things, right? Anybody can get sick. Um, so but it's going to be less often uh, with a captive bred responsibly sourced individual than it would be from a wild caught individual straight from Kenya or from a like a farm raised situation. However, these guys are almost impossible to find captive bred. That is a very, very big challenge with some of these um, cheaper, maybe more um, commonly seen, at least back in the old days, uh, pet reptiles like this. Jackson's chameleons used to be seen all over pet stores all over the place, but you can probably still find them at chain pet stores. There are some pet stores, by the way, that are much better than others, but a lot of chain pet stores do have veiled chameleons, Jackson's chameleons, panther chameleons sometimes, by some miracle they have those too. Um, panther chameleons are probably the easiest to find a breeder of. There's lots and lots of captive bred panther chameleons nowadays, which is fantastic. We're not taking from the wild anymore. Um, but these guys a lot of times are taken out of the wild or they're farm raised from another source too, which happens. So be very careful with that. A lot of those individuals will have parasites, which is what I'm trying to get at. So 
that is more likely from a, a, a wild caught individual. So internal parasites. So that's something you have to actually give them like a dewormer for and things like that. And they can lose a lot of weight and become very sick. They have loose stools, all the fun things, right? So those are some very common illnesses that chameleons in general get, including the Jackson's chameleon, like Sam here, Mr. Sam. And again, I love these lizards. I think they're some of my favorite animals. They're great ambassadors for their species, but I do not recommend chameleons for pets. They're so advanced. They're so fragile. Things can go wrong in two seconds flat with these guys and then most of the time it's too late. Uh, finding a, a good vet for them is extremely important. And you don't wanna find that in an emergency, trust me, it might be too late. You want to already have one, basically on call, <laughs> or at least be able to get to one um, before something happens. So you wanna make sure and do your research there and make sure that they know that what they're doing as well. Chameleons are a very, very specific type of lizard um, other than like bearded dragons or um, leopard geckos and other more common pet lizards like blue tongue skinks those guys are a lot hardier they're a lot easier to take care of it's it's harder to go wrong with those guys not saying they can't get sick too of course they can um, but chameleons are extra sensitive extra good at hiding their illnesses until it's too late and uh, they stress out extremely easily because they're just not really a social lizard. They don't want anything to do with you, to be perfectly honest. A lot of these wild guys, these wild animals don't want anything to do with humans. So they're just not a suitable pet for most people. So with that being said, we're going to let him rest down below and get a little, a little break from being handled, right? But he's a fantastic animal ambassador. And that's why we have these guys. Um, so I was definitely looking for Jackson's chameleon because I love to teach you guys all about them. But I always want to support a reputable source. I'm gonna make sure he's put away before I keep talking to you guys. Oh yes, very good. There we go. All better. Um, I want to make sure he's nice and secure and comfortable before we can continue. Um, so I want to make sure that you guys know that we always try to um, source our animals if we are looking for something specific or we need to purchase an animal for our collection. Um, we always try to look for a very reputable, um, like small business, something like that, or a good breeder, etc. Somebody very responsible, someone that we want to support. We don't want to be supporting um, irreputable sources. And then sometimes we rescue animals. In fact, that happens a lot. The next two animals that you're going to be meeting here in a little bit are both rescue situations. Otherwise, I would have never wanted these two animals <laughs> in my life. So the first one, you guys know her very well. Who should I start with? Yeah, I'll start with her. So the next one you guys know very well if you've watched the show a couple of times or more. And uh, I'm actually going to just pause really quick because she's over here and I have to go across the room and get her. Um, she's a much larger animal than the last one. Samuel is quite a small chameleon. Chameleons do come in many sizes. All of them make terrible pets. The bigger the chameleon, the harder they are to take care of, of course, because the larger the enclosure. But even these tiny chameleons, by the way, they do need a pretty large enclosure, typically with live plants. I mix live plants and artificial plants to kind of give a lot of coverage and make sure um, he's always got something to hide behind and things like that. Otherwise, they get very, very stressed. Always do your research. If you are adopting a chameleon, I don't recommend anybody adopt a chameleon because of all of the illnesses and things that I've already listed and all the risks that you're taking. However, if you do have a chameleon, Look up the proper um, enclosures for them. 
look up the plants that you can put in with them. It's always important for them to be completely filled with plants and lots of perching, both horizontal and vertical and all sorts of different directions for perching, just like they would be in a natural tree. Um, and that's extremely important for them to feel safe, secure. And then you also wanna have uh, the lamp on top, right? For Jacksons, they don't need a heat lamp, but other chameleons do need a heat lamp. Um, at least a very low grade heat lamp to give them a nice little hot spot to bask and get warm. Um, they need the misting at least twice a day, right? For three to five minutes each time you mist or rain on them. I like to call it rain. Um, so the lights have to be a certain level for them to actually get the ultraviolet they need. There's so many things to look for. So I highly recommend doing a lot of research on that. I'd be more than happy to go over their care another time, maybe in another live stream specifically, but That'll be later, later. So let's go ahead and proceed to the next animal. It's Joanna, the iguana. I've talked so much about how iguanas make terrible pets, uh, green iguanas especially, which is what Joanna is. So the main reason I don't recommend green iguanas for pets is because they're actually pretty aggressive and large lizards, as you can see. So it's not the, obviously the chameleons aren't very aggressive. Usually some chameleons are kind of snippy. <laughs> we have Thanos. Thanos is a, is a um, panther chameleon and he's a little bit sassy sometimes, but he's, he's all right. Um, but a bite from a chameleon, I'll take any day over a bite from a green iguana, trust me. Um, so green iguanas are fantastic, amazing, beautiful lizards. They're not an endangered species. They're doing just fine in the wild. In fact, they're actually invasive in Florida too. Um, but these guys are a tropical species from Central and South America natively, and they live up in the trees. They're another arboreal lizard, but a very, very different type of uh, climbing mechanism. They don't have uh, the, the fused toes like a chameleon has. Of course, they have very long, kind of like ET fingers, right? With long toenails. Her toenails are trimmed, in case you were wondering. Um, they actually have some of the sharpest nails in all the animal kingdom, in my experience. Look at her long fingers and toes. She has very long back toes as well. Can you see down here by my thumb? They are extremely good climbers with these long fingers, long toes, and long nails. And they are just made for climbing tree branches. They're very, very good at it. Um, they are also an herbivore. So you don't have to worry about feeding them bugs. That's not too bad, right? However, they do need pretty much salad every single day. And they eat a lot, especially in the warm months. I almost said the warm winter months. That's not a thing. The cold winter months, they don't really eat as often because their metabolism slows down a little bit. But they are a tropical species. So in the wild, they really don't have to worry about seasons whatsoever. It's always nice and there's always plentiful resources and food for them most of the year. And they can eat every day in the wild if they want to and they probably want to. <laughs> they're they're kind of little piggies sometimes. You are for sure. So um, we do feed her all sorts of greens like collard greens and mustard greens. She also gets natural weeds and things from our yard because we don't use pesticides and she loves all of that. They also love to eat hibiscus flowers and all sorts of tropical plants like that. And they usually live up in the treetops and eat the leaves of the trees. They do have razor sharp teeth that they can they can basically serrate uh, pieces of leaves off. And the leaves of the trees in the jungle are extremely, extremely tough. So that makes a lot of sense to me. But they kind of eat like a shark does. They will kind of chomp onto a big leaf and razor a piece right off and just eat it. And if they're softer leaves, they'll eat the whole leaf together and they'll eat flowers and fruits too. They're amazing lizards. Um, they're also extremely tough. <laughs> These guys, being an herbivore, 
they actually are a prey animal for some animals in South America. And they're extremely defensive about that. So they can bite extremely hard. Like I said before, their, their teeth are razor sharp. They're like a hot knife through butter through, for any animal. And pretty much, except for maybe like a tortoise. I don't think they would bite a tortoise anyway. But uh, most animals flesh, that would be no problem at all. They can bite very hard. Their first line of defense, though, is their long tail, which I can't show you yet. I don't know if I can show you in the live stream, but her tail is extremely long. It's actually about two and a half feet long, which is longer than her body. Ugh, I disturbed her so much. She's crawling around now. Settle down, settle down. Um, and she would be able to use her tail like a whip. And the ridges on her tail, on the dorsal side of her tail on the top, are very hard. So that whip is not only, I'm going to show you since she's moving this way. See it? That's extremely long. There's the end of it. It's so long I have to lift her up and you can't see the whole iguana at once. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Settle down. Is this a better angle for you? So they can use that tail for a whip and the top of the tail has a ridge. Um, so it's very sharp when they use it to whip their enemies <laughs> and typically aim for the face and eyeballs. That's where they want to hit because that's a great defense mechanism for them if they're getting attacked by a predator in the jungle. Um, like I said, sharp teeth, that whip, and razor sharp claws. So if an animal gets a hold of them, they could potentially kind of kick and claw the animal too. And they're also very tough with all their scales. They have a ridge on their back too of spikes. Uh, male green iguanas are up to three times the size of a female green iguana. She's a female. She is an adult sized female and she's probably not gonna get much bigger than this. But a male green iguana's spikes on the back are much longer. They actually stick, uh, stick up straight a little bit more too. And they're mostly for show, but that's also kind of a deterrent too in the first place of an animal grabbing them. But they are very, very well armored all over their body. But those nails, the teeth and the tail give them a lot of defense. Iguanas are also really good at um, hiding. They are, of course, green. Green iguanas are green anyway. There are other iguanas that are brown. Um, most iguanas that live on the ground or on rocks, they are more of a, a brown or gray color. That makes a lot of sense. And the ones that live up in the trees, they're more of a green to be able to blend right in to the trees. I want you to see her, her throat here, which is really cool. Um, she also can uh, jump out of trees up in uh, in the wild. They can actually be up in the tree and, and jump down uh, 100 feet down and be safe because they're a very tough animal. They can also jump down into the water as well and swim away from enemies. So this animal, very defensive. Males can be extra, extra defensive and aggressive and territorial. Luckily she's a female, so she's a little bit more docile than a male would be. And I've known Joanna for 10 years. Joanna and I have been friends for a long time. So I know her and I'm not saying that she's completely trustworthy because she's still a wild animal and accidents do happen. So I'm always careful, right? But um, she is probably the best iguana I've ever met as far as handling goes, at least with me, right? But I'm always careful with new people and I don't let guests hold her or touch her usually at all. Um, that's very, very risky. So we're we very careful with her because she is a green iguana. And the main issue with green iguanas for pets is going to be your safety. <laughs> they are full of weapons. Like I already listed razor sharp teeth, some of the sharpest teeth in the animal kingdom very sharp. They might be short teeth, but they're extremely sharp like a razor blade. Um, they also have some, some of the sharpest nails in the animal kingdom too. And they have a whip for a tail. So imagine a lizard three times the size, a male green iguana, very territorial, trying to attack you, literally chasing you in your home or wherever you're keeping them and trying to bite you. That is terrifying. That is not good. <laughs> and iguanas are actually pretty common 
pet lizards in pet stores, but typically they're how big, right? They're tiny little baby ones. They're little baby iguanas that are so very small and people have literally no idea that they get this big or they do know they get this big, but they don't realize what a, what a commitment it's going to be. Iguanas typically live anywhere from 15 to 25 years, sometimes more. Now they typically don't get that old on average in the care of humans because most people are not taking care of them properly. However, they can live that long, which is pretty amazing. She's ready to go swimming over here, I think. She's just crawling around. Let's switch sides again and see how she does. So as you can see, Joanna's a very nice iguana, but she's still a big handful and she's kind of like a little monkey. And I don't like monkeys very much. Settle down. Okay, so. <laughs> uh, they're not really a good pet, are they? They also get huge. And if you are adopting a baby green iguana, there's not much of a way to tell what gender you have when you're adopting them as a baby. So if you purchase a baby iguana, that's already kind of mean. They're not really ever nice, even as babies. Um, they're, they're trying to thrash and they're trying to get away from you and trying to bite you. When they're little, it's not a big deal. But when they get this big, it is a big deal. They can definitely injure you. And if they are three times the size of this, oh my goodness, that is terrifying. <laughs> they are so intimidating. And on top of that, they're gonna need a huge, enormous enclosure, aren't they? So Joanna, most of the time during the year, as long as it's over 60 degrees, which is almost all the time in South Texas, um, she lives outside. She has a great big giant enclosure, which is a walk-in enclosure. It's over, it has a, an over a six foot tall door. And I think it's actually eight foot tall at its highest point. And it is about a 12 by 12 um, amount of space. And she even has more space than that um, because there's an extra enclosure attached to it. She actually shares space with our ducks and our tortoises outside most of the year, like I said. But it works out really well because usually the ducks are either minding their own business in their own perch the wood ducks do perch too. Uh, the Pekin ducks are too heavy to perch or fly, but they're usually on the ground. And the tortoises, of course, are not in the trees and <laughs> they're on the ground. Um, so Joanna usually is just minding her own business on her own tree branch and the wooden ducks hang out in their other on another tree branch or they're swimming in their pool and everybody leaves each other alone. Iguanas are vegetarians, they're herbivores, so they don't really mess with other animals that much whatsoever. Now she may come down and occasionally get into the pool too and the other animals just avoid her. It's not a big deal, but she doesn't attack anybody. I don't necessarily recommend keeping iguanas with other animals if you don't have a lot of experience and you don't know your iguana because who knows what might happen. They might become very territorial and attack your other animals. So we don't want that to happen. But she actually does totally fine. But my point is she has a huge enclosure. It's a walk-in enclosure. I can walk into it and it's 12 by 12. I'm pretty sure it's 12 by 12 or it's like a 10 by 10. It's huge. I think it's 12 by 12. Um, but it's walk-in and huge. And it has a lot of perching and branches and all sorts of things for her to climb around. Lots of room to exercise. And that's really what they need. To be very honest with you, it's important to give iguanas enough room to climb around to act a fool like she's doing right now uh, because just being in a, a small cage or something like that is not appropriate for an iguana whatsoever. And they need something that they can climb like uh, an enclosure with, with bars on it, like a burr basically. And they also need proper humidity. So she has a big pool to swim in, like I said already. She has her own water dish as well out there and she gets misted and um, hosed <laughs> when it's warm outside, which is a lot around here. So we do give her showers and everything else. And then along with her salad, that's how she gets all the, the moisture that she needs. She's gonna get all the water that she needs that way. That's very important for iguanas as well. And again, this is probably the nicest iguana I've ever met. She is wonderful for an iguana, but she's still a sassy girl sometimes. And she has bitten me in the past. I'm not gonna lie. She's also whipped me in the past and things like that. And certainly scratched me up a lot. And I have to trim her nails at least once a month 
to be able to hold her whatsoever because these nails are some of the sharpest nails I've ever experienced. And that's saying something considering I work with so many different animals, like I said before. So iguanas, amazing wild animals, should have never been a pet in the pet trade ever in my opinion. Now, another issue with iguanas is that most of them are gonna be wild caught too. So they suffer from some of the diseases sometimes that the chameleons do. However, compared to chameleons, iguanas are actually pretty healthy lizards. I've only ever once had an issue with her health um, in all the 10 years that I've ever had her. That I've had her. Um, and iguanas in general are very hardy. As long as you're giving them the proper care, UV lighting, outside lighting is best, right? proper heating, proper humidity, and proper diet, of course. Then you wanna make sure and watch for any of those illnesses that we listed before, which can affect them too, just like the chameleon. But chameleons get diseases far more often than iguana. But then, like I said, the main issue with the iguanas is caring for them properly, making sure they have enough room, the right diet, all the things I already listed, having a vet that can see them, and your safety, because this is literally a monster. <laughs> um, she is a big lizard and a male is two to three times the size and can bite, scratch, whip, run at you. Very intimidating. And they really need a lot, a lot of special care. So they're really just not a good pet, are they? How long do they live? I think I mentioned that already. Iguanas on average don't live very long in the care of humans. If you consider a lot of people don't take proper care of them, but when properly cared for, iguanas can live anywhere from 12, 15, all the way to 25 or even 30. And there are some, um, ex there are some, um, I was gonna say experts, but some record breakers out there and experts um, that have lived a lot longer than that. So it just depends, but it just all depends on their genetics, their care. And again, a lot of them are wild caught. Um, it's very hard to um, keep these guys. <laughs> they need to have a lot of space, like I said. So just one iguana is a ton of work. Imagine having a whole breeding facility full of iguana. That's a lot of space, a lot of money, a lot of time. And it's hard to compete with very, very inexpensive baby iguanas that are coming right out of the wild or farm raised. And those guys are sold for like 15, 20, 30 bucks, maybe 50 bucks, depending on that. Um, if you do find a captive bred green iguana friend and you're an expert keeper, that's the best route that you can do or rescue, of course. Um, this little girl here, big girl now, she's a rescue animal. So I actually was able to adopt her from a flea market of all places in Florida when I lived there. I believe it was in Jacksonville or the Jacksonville area when I lived in Florida. And I was just browsing through a flea market one day and I almost never do that. So it was very, very faded in my opinion. It was meant to be. Um, I was walking through and there was a little pet store, mostly with small birds like budgies and cockatiels and things and lovebirds. And they had a bunch of random like pet supplies too. And way in the back in the corner was a 55 gallon tank, which is not very big for a big iguana like this. And she was just in there on the floor with no perching and no lights. So I said, oh my gosh, what's going on with this iguana? Cause I really like reptiles and I was just curious what was going on. I didn't know what was happening. It, it was very strange. And the guy said that the owner told me, I don't know if this is true or not. This is what he said. Um, he said that somebody brought her by and said their girlfriend didn't want her anymore. So they were making the boyfriend, the guy dropping her off, get rid of her. And it was like a drop off situation, like an abandonment situation basically. So the guy at the pet store was thinking, well, we can sell her here. And uh, long story short, I took her home that very day. So I couldn't, I couldn't stand the thought of her being there in that flea market and who knows who would have just picked her up and taken her home and not known what to do. So I ended up adopting her and she's been um, with me for 10 years now. <laughs> so yeah, great name, thank you. Joanna the Iguana, yes she is. And sorry, you're late, I'm gonna set a reminder. Oh, no big deal, Lamar, no big deal at all. 
better late than never. And you guys can always watch these videos again. They do repost on, on YouTube is where I prefer you watch them because we need more views on YouTube. Um, but on Facebook as well, they're always available to watch again. So you can go back to the beginning and watch it again if you want to. She is a beautiful lizard, you guys. Iguanas are some of my favorite lizards to talk about. And since I have one of the best iguanas on the planet, Joanna, she knows it too. She's the boss around here. <laughs> Who am I kidding? She's like, I'm leaving. Um, <laughs> I don't get paid enough for this. I'm leaving. She's ready to go. Um, since I do have her, it's fantastic to have her to be able to talk about iguanas, tell my story about her a little bit, and discourage anybody from getting one. Do not, I repeat, do not get a pet iguana ever. Even a pet chameleon too. But the pet chameleon, um, I definitely discourage as well. But that's not really going to be a dangerous animal to you and your household. This could be a very dangerous animal to you and your household, your children. Certainly a terrible pet for a child. If anybody ever recommends a pet iguana to you or your children, run. Run screaming, they are lying to you. They are terrible pets. They might be one of the worst pet lizards in the world. And unfortunately, they used to be super common pet lizards. And now a lot of them are still in human care, unfortunately, because they were so common back in the day. Look at her beautiful face. She's just a living dinosaur, isn't she? She's so awesome. Okay, Joanna, you did a fantastic job. I think she's ready to go back down. You guys get my point though. They're not good pets at all. They make terrible pets. Can you hear her nails on the table? Yeah, they're kind of dramatic, aren't they? They're not a loud animal, which is nice. Not like a bird. But other than that, they are just very, very high maintenance. Okay, I'm going to um, pause again, just briefly, to put the iguana away and make sure that she is safe and sound and secure for all of our sakes, and um, actually bring another pet lizard, which I do not recommend. Do not get them for a pet, but they sometimes are pets. So we're gonna meet one more. Remember, we're talking about pet reptiles, specifically lizards, that Amanda, at once in a while, does not condone or recommend for you as the average person, as a pet. <laughs> so this is Dino. It's been a minute since Dino was on the program. Hi, Dino. Dino is another rescue lizard that we have and a more recent rescue. As I mentioned, um, I've had Joanna for over 10 years now, something like that. And uh, Dino I've only had for, well, I wanna say six or seven, maybe eight months. I've lost track. It was before the winter. I do remember that very vividly because this animal was actually found running around and roaming around Texas. This is a savanna monitor. Savanna monitors do not come from Texas. They actually come from the savannas of Africa. That's why they call them a savanna monitor lizard. This is a very small savanna monitor lizard. Monitor lizards in general are actually the largest of all the lizards. The largest in the world and the most famous monitor is the Komodo dragon, of course. That is a close cousin of this animal I'm holding right here. It looks like Dino is just comfortable hanging onto my arm like a tree but this is not really an arboreal lizard like the two we already met. This is more of a terrestrial or even subterrestrial species. They can mostly roam around on the ground in the savannas. Savannas are like grasslands and, and sparsely wooded areas in Africa specifically, but there's savannas all over the world. Um, this animal can climb pretty well as a baby. He is a baby or a juvenile right now. At this size and under, they do climb a lot more than when they get bigger. And this animal gets up to around five foot long. That doesn't sound extremely long, but that's a big lizard, you guys. So the iguana we just met from head to vent or head to butt, <laughs> um, she's around two foot long. 
Her tail is the majority of her length and the tail is about two and a half feet long. So do the math. That's how long she is from tip of the nose to the tip of the tail. But her body isn't that long. This animal gets almost the same exact size, but is a much heavier bodied animal as a species goes. I'm going to see if he'll let up a little bit so I can show you a little bit more of this animal's body. Dino, he just wants to give me the death grip today. So Dino was actually found roaming around, I don't know where, but in Texas somewhere. And one of the rehabbers that we know was actually given Dino by some random person. <laughs> and they said that they kept him or her, we don't know the gender yet because of this age, it's really hard to tell. They said that they kept him or her for a while and then they got tired of it and they were just gonna re-release this lizard back into the wild right before the winter time. This animal would not have survived any any sort of winter here in Texas because they don't really have winters in the savannas of Africa where they come from. Um, they have a wet and a dry season, but no cold weather like that <laughs> by any means. And it was north of here as well. So it would have been even colder. But especially the last winter that we had with all the snow and the craziness that we had with some of us losing power, we did it, but a lot of people lost power and that would have been absolutely deadly to this animal. So I want to make sure you guys know that if you ever have any of these pets that I've listed today or other exotic pets or even domestic pets like cats and dogs, please don't release them into the wild if you're incapable of taking care of them anymore. That happens. Life happens. I understand. I'm not going to judge anybody if they adopt an animal and then change their mind. It happens. It happens to the best of us, you guys. I know a lot of people that rehome animals. It's okay. No shame. But we want to make sure never, ever release them back into the wild. That can be a literal death sentence to these animals. They get hit by cars. They're susceptible to the wrong weather that they're not adapted to, etc. Maybe um, animals will eat them. They have no idea how to feed themselves. All the things. <laughs> so we don't really know much about Dino's backstory. Look how lazy he or she is being. Dino, you're so cute. Just like hanging out on me. It's like... Let me just hang on on your hand like a, like a branch today. Um, I don't know much about this animal's history whatsoever. I just know that he needed a home or she needed a home. We'll call him a he for now. Right? Why not? And we'll let you know what happens <laughs> in the future. Um, it's really hard to tell at this age what gender they are until they get bigger. So anyway, but we don't know much about their history. His history. <laughs> uh, we just know that they needed a home. They were roaming around. The rehabber absolutely did not want to keep him forever um, because she's not really uh, facilitated to do that. And she figured that we would be a good home for him. So we are now his permanent home. And we're going to do our very best to take care of this lizard now. So savannah monitors are another animal, um, especially back in the day, that used to be pretty common in the pet trade for whatever ungodly reason. Because they are terrible pets, you guys. This might be one of the worst pet animals in general ever. <laughs> I don't recommend a lot of exotic pets for most people, like monkeys and things and, and parrots even. That's a lot of maintenance and work. Um, savannah monitors are pretty bad too. So the main issue with these guys, well, there's so many. So health can um, actually be an issue with these guys. Um, most of them, if not all of them, are wild caught individual, especially in the, in the old days. And even people that claim that their savannah monitors are captive bred or bred in the care of humans, they might be lying to you. That's just the truth. So it's really hard if not impossible sometimes to find them captive bred. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but it's extremely rare because these guys are still imported from Africa. It's legal to do that, which is very unfortunate because that just basically makes for a very hard situation for reptile breeders, like backing up, um, makes a very such hard situation for reptile breeders because why would they want to compete with all of that? They're already a hard animal to take care of in the first place, just like the iguana. They're kind of similar with their 
with their reasons of why they're bad pets and why, what's going on with them. Um, why would they want to compete with super inexpensive wild caught babies that are coming in from Africa by the hundreds, if not thousands? That's very unfortunate, right? Um, so because a lot of these are wild caught, they're coming in from the wild very stressed. A lot of them do not even make the trip. Um, most of them have internal parasites that have to be treated in order for them to be healthy and not emaciated <laughs> and having all sorts of loose stool issues and things. A lot of them, I'm just gonna be backwards for you guys, I guess, you see the belly. You don't wanna see the belly, you wanna see the face. A lot of these guys are improperly fed as well. So there's been a lot of misconceptions about the Savannah Monitor specifically. Savannah Monitors, as it turns out, in recent years, we have discovered that they're primarily insectivores. We used to think that they were like other monitor lizards, um, eating all sorts of things. And not to say that they can't eat all sorts of things. They do. They love eating all sorts of other animals. <laughs> um, they're carnivores, not herbivores like the iguana, um, and not really like the chameleon either. These guys can actually eat a variety of other animals like other lizards, they can eat rodents, they can eat birds very easily, eggs. That's probably his favorite food is eggs. I give them um, whole eggs sometimes and they do eat them up raw, yum yum. That's just a treat for these guys though because they are supposed to be primarily eating insects. Things like super worms, dubia roaches, crickets, etc. And they need a lot of insects to be able to sustain their bodies. However, a lot of people take a shortcut with their diet and they feed them things like um, lots of rodents, lots of chicks, lots of chicken, lots of dog food, things like that. All of those things are extremely high in fat, at least for their bodies, and they tend to be susceptible to fatty liver disease and becoming extremely obese. So most of the Savannah monitors that you might have seen in the past, if you're familiar with them at all, they're fat. You're not fat, are you? Because we're not feeding you like that. Um, a lot of them also grow up way too fast and have a very short lifespan. Um, these guys do not usually live very long, but that's usually because they're a wild caught type animal. And I'm pretty sure that Dino is also a wild caught um, baby or was one and was probably in human care for a while in somebody's household as a pet. And then they either release them or they escaped. That could happen too. It might not have been on purpose. So I don't wanna say anything because I don't know. Um, so that does happen. So I'm sure this animal was probably a wild caught animal to begin with. But um, having already grown this size, it's a pretty good size, might be a couple years old, maybe less, who knows? I don't know anything about their history, so I don't know their age at all. Could be stunted, who knows? Could be five years old for all I know. Hopefully not. Um, these guys, um, typically, like I said, they're really, really fat. So you can see, you can see some wrinkles here. There's no bulging belly down below. This is how they're supposed to look. <laughs> and a lot of people might disagree with me, but it's not true. <laughs> they're insectivores. They're not supposed to get a ton of fat on their body. They're not supposed to have big fat arms and uh, look like a huge, uh, you know, fat lizard. <laughs> um, they're not supposed to look like a bulldog. <laughs> they're supposed to kind of have like a lean appearance. I've seen a lot of these guys, um, pictures of them in the wild. I've actually seen wild monitor lizards with my own eyeballs in Africa too. I did not see a savannah monitor. I don't think, I think I saw some Nile monitors. It's pretty pretty sure is what we saw from a distance, but they're actually pretty lean in the wild. Not to say that they're necessarily completely healthy in the wild either, but that just goes to show that in the care of humans, a lot of times animals are overfed or they're improperly fed. And we are learning a lot about monitor lizard care, specifically with these guys, because they're probably the most commonly kept type of monitor in the pet trade. And they are terrible pets. Again, Dino's actually a pretty well-behaved Savannah monitor, isn't he or she? <laughs> um, just kind of hanging out. This is not typical. Most savannah monitors are a lot more active and they wanna kind of bite and they wanna scratch you. Um, 
this lizard is extremely active in his or her enclosure. Very, very healthy, runs around, climbs, goes all over the place. That's how I know they're doing pretty well. Shedding as well, because we're young and we're always growing. So we are shedding. We just got our back today as well. <laughs> um, and moving around right now too. But uh, I'm very happy with the way um, he or she looks. You can also tell they're healthy by their tail. So this is not a skinny animal by any means, but also not obese either. So I'm still learning things all the time. It's pretty fascinating. And again, I was not, I repeat, not looking for a Savannah monitor to join our collection. This Savannah monitor literally just happened to us. <laughs> so I thought about it for a couple of days and I talked to the lady over the phone a few times and I said, is, is this animal handleable? Because the last thing I want to do is adopt this animal and uh, basically make that commitment because I usually try to make the commitment and not rehome them again. I wanna make sure they have a good life with us regardless. But I also wanted to make sure that they could maybe teach people and do programs and things. So I was I, I, I was talking to her and I asked her if this animal was seemed tame and she said yes, um, that she was able to hold this animal right away. No biting, not too much wiggling. We're seeing a little bit of wiggling, but this is super normal for a Savannah monitor. So I don't want you guys to think that this is typical though, because it's not. A lot of these guys bite and they bite hard. The iguana's teeth are razor sharp and this animal is no different. You don't have to worry about my hands. See, we're still getting used to hands and that's okay. We're learning that hands are okay. And these guys are extremely intelligent, so they can learn to actually get used to your hands. But you can see that response. They're a little bit um, reactive, right? That was a great example of that, but not, not a very dramatic one, but still an example of that. <laughs> They're being so silly, like kind of slinking around like a snake, but they do bite and they can bite very hard. Their teeth are extremely sharp, like the iguanas. And these guys are carnivores, so that makes a lot of sense. They also have very sharp nails, super, super razor sharp. I do actually trim this one's nail as well. Dino gets nail trim. Dino's actually very good for nail trims. Joanna's not good for nail trims, but she gets them anyway. Um, and we just get it done, right? But Dino is actually pretty good for that. So far, so good. But I've only had Dino for a matter of months, not 10 years like Joanna. But um, another issue with these guys, again, similar to the iguana, is going to be cage size and proper lighting and proper heating. One really um, huge challenge, <laughs> emphasis on huge, with the Savannah monitor and any monitor is space. So you are basically going to need an enclosure the size of what I described for the iguana, only with lots of floor space as opposed to height with branches and things. These guys need a ton of space to run around. That's another reason they become very, very overweight a lot of times is because they don't have enough exercise. So that's extremely important. If they're not getting enough exercise, they can definitely uh, get sick and become all sorts of unhealthy. <laughs> and also mentally, unhealthy too, because this is a very intelligent animal as well. Monitor lizards and tegus are known to be some of the smartest of all the reptiles. Also crocodilians, like, like crocodiles are also very smart too. So they need a lot of stimulation, a lot of space to run around, enrichment, variable things to do, a variable diet as well. So it's a big challenge. They're not like having a leopard gecko. And don't get me wrong, leopard geckos need things to do in space as well, but that's a smaller lizard that you can probably handle a little easier than a big old monitor lizard. Remember, this lizard is going to get around five feet long. Right now, we are just about a foot and a half long. He or she, as long as he is healthy and growing and doing good, is going to get huge. I need a lot more space than they need now. So right now I've got this animal in indoor enclosure. Um, I am actually working on some ideas to build a bigger enclosure for this animal. And uh, we will probably move into a 200 gallon 
enclosure very, very soon. And then from there, bigger and bigger and bigger. That is huge, you guys. 200 gallons is a big enclosure. Um, but we plan to also have an outdoor habitat too, so we can get some nice natural sun. That's also important too. Another um, challenge for them or with them and having them in any kind of care situation, whether it be a zoo or in your home, is going to be um, heating and lighting. These guys also need very, very strong ultraviolet lighting, the proper ultraviolet, or else they can get metabolic bone disease, just like the chameleon can. Um, iguanas are a little less susceptible to MBD, but they can definitely still get it when improperly fed and have not the right lighting. Um, these guys too, they can get MBD too. Metabolic bone disease, they get rubbery bones and weak, weak bones, and that's not good for them, it's terrible for them. Um, so you have to have the right UV, but a huge challenge with savanna monitors in particular is they need an extremely hot basking spot, but you also can't burn them. So the heat has to be extremely hot. Do your research as far as how hot, because it depends on the enclosure size and everything else. But again, just don't get one at all. <laughs> they're, they're not for the average person at all. Um, but they do need extremely hot basking spots. They need extremely hot temperatures in general because they are from very warm areas of the savanna, almost desert-like areas. So it's a little tricky there because it's gotta be warm, but not too warm to burn them, right? And it's also gotta have an ambient temperature and be a big enough space or enclosure to be able to have a, a gradual temperature change across the enclosure. And then you have like your water on the end of it or like a hide for them to go underneath. They also need a lot of space to be able to hide. And remember they need a lot of space in general to run around. They're a very active animal as you can see, running around in my hands but they really need a lot of stimulation. They're a diurnal animal, like all three of these lizards are actually, not nocturnal, so they're active all day long. And they really like a lot of space to, to run, run around, dig, rummage around, looking for things to do, enrichment. So there's a lot to think about, you guys. This is a smart animal. It's not really fair that they're in the care of humans at all, to be honest with you. Of course, I'm not anti-keeping them at all. I have one. <laughs> uh, but in the first place, they never should have been pets. This is a very inappropriate pet, just like the iguana, just like the chameleons, too. They're just not pets. They're not domesticated. They don't make good pets. If you get bitten by one of these guys, oh my gosh, that is a terrible, terrible potential injury that you can sustain, you don't want that to happen. And like I said, they're not usually this handleable. You're being awfully wiggly right now, but you're actually being very sweet because we are a sweet Savannah monitor, aren't we? Um, however, not everybody is a sweet Savannah monitor when they are a Savannah monitor. Some Savannah monitors really, really wanna bite you. I actually used to take care of one named Monica who wanted to bite my face off. That was not fun at all. She was not a good pet at all. And neither is this one, even though he's so sweet. They're just very challenging, aren't they? So these guys um, typically don't live very long in the care of humans just because of all their potential issues, improper feeding, obesity, fatty liver disease, et cetera, MBD. So many things can happen to them. Um, boredom can actually be really bad for them too in their mental health and physical health. But um, they usually only live on an average of maybe like five to 10 at the most. Um, some of them do make it to 15 maybe 16, 17, but that's extremely rare um, in the care of humans when they are very well cared for. So they're not really a very long lived lizard either. Still a long commitment if you are adopting one, right? And it's really a shame that they're sold in pet stores whatsoever as tiny little babies. Cause you guys, they're super tiny when they're, when they're first hatched out of the egg. They're literally, I'm gonna show you how long they are. I'm gonna set Dino down just for a hot second. They're like this long when they're hatched from head to tail. They're super tiny. And so um, people will see them and they think, oh my gosh, this little bitty lizard, what a great pet option for my child. 
And then quickly in a couple of years, they get this big. And then in four years, they're five foot long and biting your face off. <laughs> um, so it's extremely dangerous, but also um, this one is mostly for their well-being. They just don't do very well in the care of humans in general. And again, I would have never ever wanted a Savannah monitor in general. I do love Dino, of course, um, but I wouldn't ever have sought out or really wanted a Savannah monitor for our collection, except it just happened to me. And I did not want this lizard to end up anywhere else in improper care or to be set free again into the wilds of Texas where they don't belong, which is by the way, very illegal. That's called invasive species releasing, right? do not do that. So I'm so glad you guys got to um, join us for this encounter today. I know it wasn't really a um, super positive animal encounter today because we're talking about some education for you guys and we're trying to make sure you guys know better. And so you do better, right? And again, I know a lot of you already have these pet lizards in your life. That's okay. But we want to make sure you're taking proper care of them. So doing tons of research, always updating your care to the best of your ability is always very, very good for your animal's well-being. Look how pretty this lizard is. They're super cool. They're so serious looking to you. Like an eagle, that serious eye. They call them monitor lizards because they actually survey the lands that they inhabit. Uh, they actually have great visions so they can monitor from afar and uh, look for danger and things. And they're really cool. And they hunt with their eyesight too. They have a great sense of smell. They even have a forked tongue, like a snake, so they can actually smell with their tongue and smell with their nostrils too. And they have a great sense of touch and they're always very alert as long as they're awake and they sleep hard overnight. <laughs> they're really cool. They have all five senses, great hearing too. So I know this has kind of been a little bit of a less positive encounter, but I want to make sure you guys are taking good care of the animals in your life or you're making good decisions. If you're ever thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, I would love a pet chameleon. I'm just going to go buy one today. Don't do that. That's very, very, um, common that happens, but it shouldn't be something that happens, right? It shouldn't be something that's normal. Um, we should be always doing our research, no matter what type of animal we are bringing home, whether it be a cat, dog, guinea pig, rabbit, horse, goat, duck, savanna monitor, chameleon, iguana, all of those animals deserve the best life that we can give them. Tarantulas, fish, doesn't matter what it is. Um, but those exotic animals, especially, we have to do lots of research and make sure that they're okay for you to take care of, which is almost not going to be the case, right, for all three of that I've listed today. Um, the chameleon, the savanna monitor, and the iguana, not good pet choices, you guys. Make good choices out there. Um, again, a couple of few weeks ago, I think it was four live streams ago, we did talk about some better lizard and reptile choices for you guys to adopt if you are just dead set on having reptiles in your life. They don't blame you. I love reptiles too. They're pretty awesome. However, these three that we've talked about today are some of the worst options for most people, especially the iguana. I would say the iguana is probably the worst overall as a species. Savannah monitor being a very close second and the chameleon a close third as well for different reasons, right? I hope you guys have learned something today. If you ever have any, any, any questions at all about your animal's care at home, or if you are um, just wondering what we do and the specifics of how Once in a Wild works, how you can support us, or how you can book your own animal encounter, of course, whether it be virtual or in person, um, please visit onceinawild.com to learn more and contact us. Our number is actually down below as well. That is a textable number, just so you guys know, if you ever have animal care advice or you see something wild in your own backyard, that happens a lot this time of year because the temperatures are rising. A lot of times people see snakes and they wonder what kind of snake it is. Feel free to text me a picture of that snake. It is my pleasure to help you to identify wildlife in your own backyards. So let me know. We hope to see you next week. 
here at Once in a Wild Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Central next Wednesday, same time, same place. And we hope you have enjoyed the show tonight. <laughs> Dino looks a little bit unimpressed, but I promise he's fine. <laughs> uh, but, but I hope you guys have enjoyed and we hope to see you next week. And I'm going to go ahead and play our song and say goodbye, you guys.